Appreciate that. All right, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, this morning. Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at a character today and uh, kind of apply uh, some of his um, doings here in this chapter and actually the book of Acts. We'll look at a couple other places, how we can apply um, it to our lives as well. Uh, title is Philip, the faithful servant of God. Acts chapter 8, we have a, uh, a well-known uh, account here of Philip and uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, I'd like to read that. It's not too long, and uh, it'll take up some time because I don't take too long, right? And uh, so we're trying to, to stretch it out as much as we can. Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read uh, Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come, unto, come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, And see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at uh, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And a great account here, we'll look at this a little bit here and look at, as I said, another passage here about uh, Philip here. I've got a question here for you. Do you know that God has a will for every person's life? God has a will for every person's life. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. If you're welcome to turn there and see that verse, you may know it. 2 Peter verse chapter 3, sorry, and verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His will 
for every human being, all of mankind, is that we become saved, that we become his children. In fact, he wants this will for us so much that he himself came down from the glories of heaven to earth to suffer a cruel death on the cross, therefore paying the penalty for sin, a penalty that we could not pay in and of ourselves. Every human being has sinned. We all are an unclean thing because of our sin. But the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross washes those sins away. An understanding of the sin that you have in your life and then putting simple faith in Christ and his work on the cross, that will save your soul. You are accomplishing his will. He, he wants all to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When you accomplish his will for, you, for your life, you as a Christian or a child of God now have a calling that is placed upon your life. Many Christians, uh, you know, even young Christians will, will spend a lot of time wondering what is God's calling for me? How do I accomplish that? What is the calling that God has placed upon my life? And am I called of God may be a question that we may ask, and the answer is absolutely yes, you are called of God. Listen to these verses here, and I'd encourage you to uh, maybe do a little study yourself and find in the Bible, uh, there's a whole bunch of verses that show us about the calling of God upon every believer's life. These verses that I'll read here are um, specifically to Christians already. First Peter 1 and verse 5 says this, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. First Peter 2.21 says this, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And as I said, many other verses that show us believers that we are called to do specific things. They're not just written to, uh, you know, um, those that are specifically called to be preachers. These are written to normal lay Christians, people in the church, the Sunday school teachers, the choir members, uh, the ushers, you know, those that work in the kitchen and so on. Every believer, that's what these verses are geared towards. And uh, we have a calling of God. It makes us clear that after salvation, that God placed a calling upon our life. This calling does not necessarily mean that, okay, I'm, I'm in full-time ministry, right? Although I do think that the, there are some in here this morning that are called to full-time Christian service. And uh, we hope and pray to that end, right? We'd love to see more people from our church be called into such a thing. 
uh, it may be the possibility here this morning, but rather it's a full-time calling of faithfully committed service to Jesus Christ. It's a lifetime commitment. It's something that the, the moment that you were born again to the day that you die, you have a calling upon God to make him the center of your life. To say to God, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm willing to do it. And to some, this sounds quite extreme, right? I gotta do that. I gotta give up my life for God. And it sounds extreme. It may obviously would sound extreme to the world, somebody that would dedicate their entire life to God. But it's really not extreme. That's just what God's word says. We as believers are, are um, commanded to give our life to God. If you turn to Romans chapter 12 with me, Romans chapter 12, and I'll maybe have you turn a little bit this, here this morning. I hope that's okay. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. You may know this verse actually. Paul says this to believers once again. says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's basically making God center uh, in your life. You're giving yourself to God. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Sound extreme? No, not really. It's your reasonable service to give your life over to God. That's the calling that he has placed upon you. After all that God has done for us, we ought to give our very best in service and in our life back to him. And with that thought here this morning, I'd like to take the time that we have left here, and I want to look at Philip, this man here, this individual who has, I believe, dedicated himself to God, and God used him in a remarkable way. Uh, no doubt uh, there are many aspects that we can find in God's word of his calling or his will for us uh, this morning. But we're not, we don't have time to look at that. You know, I'd be preaching like they do in South Africa if we did that. I don't want to do that. So uh, we're just going to look at a few things here, specifically in Philip's life. No doubt Philip uh, was a man who faithfully committed himself to God. And he dedicated himself to fulfilling the calling that God placed upon his life. The calling that every believer has from God isn't rocket science. Some people <laughs> treat it like it's that. It's like there's some sort of formula i got to do. i got to make sure that my life is, is right in place, right in the right moment at the right time for God to reveal his calling to me. Do you have one of these? That'll show you, okay? That'll show you God's calling that he has for you. It's from the Bible, right from God's word, and he even gives examples of those that walk in the, the will of God, the calling of God, as we see demonstrated here in Philip's life. Now, there are two Philips in the Bible. There's Philip the apostle, uh, and then there's Philip the deacon. Uh, Philip in our text here that we read is Philip the deacon. If you turn back to chapter 6, not too far, uh, chapter, Acts chapter 6, we can kind of see a quick introduction of him starting in verse 1. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. It says this, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, 
because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, Is it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and uh, Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and and Nicolas, a proselyte of Antioch. And so we see there that list of of men there that were chosen to uh, be a deacon there. You know, there, there, are, uh, there was, as you see here, there was a need for somebody to fill the gap, somebody to uh, focus on the ministry here, uh, a specific group of people, widows, uh, so the apostles could have more time to invest in prayer and invest in the preaching of God's word and their studies. And so they saw the need, and they elected uh, deacons, individuals, to uh, help uh, them with this task. Philip being one of them. The word uh, deacon means a servant. And uh, that gives us our first point here. Uh, What are we called to do? Number one, we are called to be a servant. We are called to be a servant. By the way, I'm very thankful, as I hope you are, for the deacons that we have in our church and the deacons that we've had in the past as well. And the ones that God has given us here at our church, I believe each and every one of them are true servants of God. And in various ways, I I always seem to see them doing things and serving in different ways. I know it's a huge blessing to pastor, huge blessing to this church. And no doubt there are others in this church as well that may not have that title of a deacon, but they do serve the Lord. And we as believers today, we are called to serve, serve the Lord and serve others. Galatians 5.13 says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Jesus Christ gives us the very excellent example of someone who served others. Uh, If you turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. says this, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit. I'm sorry, that's Colossians. You know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm working at it, okay? Philippians. I'm glad I caught that. It'd be embarrassing to read the entire thing. And I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. There we go. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. We can go on and we can read what 
Christ and the way that he has served us. And, and just the fact of him uh, sacrificing himself on the cross, but also his earthly ministry of service to others is an excellent example uh, for us as we endeavor to live out uh, the same way that Christ lived and uh, to follow that calling that he has given us. Notice there again in verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you. It basically just means have this mind, have this thought, have this mentality to accomplish the same capacity of service Jesus accomplished. Uh, But we know that that's impossible, right? We cannot completely serve the way that Christ served. We cannot give of ourselves on the cross to pay the penalty for sin like Christ has done, but he does give us a blueprint to follow, a calling. Be a servant by allowing God to use you to be a blessing to others. Christ was a blessing to us. He has a desire to use us to be a blessing to others. It's a given that that we ought to serve God. Right? But does God need our service? No, he doesn't. He doesn't need our service, but he does want willing servants so he can use us to be a blessing to other people. That's the way God works. We all serve, and keep this in mind, we all serve something or someone. Who do you serve this morning? What are you serving this morning? Are you serving yourself? Are you serving other things that won't bring any, any uh, uh, pleasure or, or joy to, to yourself, honestly, but it's also not pleasing to God? God calls us to serve him and others with all of our heart. And uh, I believe that we can get so wrapped up in what does, the, what does the term serving often mean? It often means, at least when you see it in the, the New Testament, it means of somebody that's a slave. Okay, Paul oftentimes uh, um, talked about him being a, a slave or a servant or a prisoner of the Lord. And uh, um, what are we a slave to this morning? Are we allowing the sins of this world to, to, gain, to get our attention? Are we serving those? Or rather, are we going to fulfill the calling that God has placed upon our life and give ourselves completely over to him and allow him to work in and through us to serve others, to serve him in different capacities? With this, we finally reach Acts chapter 8. If you turn back there with me, Acts chapter 8. And here in our text uh, that we were in, Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. After Philip became a deacon, uh, the God began to work in his life in various ways. And uh, although there's not too much that's mentioned specifically about him, we do know that he transitioned from uh, being a deacon to now an evangelist. Uh, He began to grow in his ministry and eventually became an effective evangelist. Acts 21 and verse 8 calls Philip specifically an evangelist. So God uh, then, through this transition in his life, uh, he's obviously serving the Lord in, in the, the capacity as a deacon. He's, he's fulfilling that role. He's fulfilling his calling of serving others and serving God, and God directs him along the way. God directed him to evangelize specifically in an area called Samaria, 
this area right here, the apostles, a lot of them weren't allowed to, to be in this area, you know. <laughs> they kind of ruffled some feathers here and there, we know that. And so uh, it, was, it was really a good opportunity for Philip, who wasn't necessarily one of those apostles, to go into this very needy area. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, we see his name once again, and it says this, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. We know what preaching is. Preaching is, you know, what I'm doing now, a pastor does, right? And, uh, but that word actually means to herald, to herald. He was God's herald to deliver the gospel to the people of Samaria. And that leads us to point number two here, and I'll try to tie in the pieces here. Uh, Number two, you are called to be filled with the Spirit. You are called to be filled with the Spirit. And we'll get to the point where it talks about preaching and sharing the gospel. That's a little doubt. But uh, how did Philip get to this point here of being a a deacon, and now he's a full-blown evangelist. He's preaching the Word. He's serving the Lord in, in I guess you could say, a bigger capacity than what he was doing. Well, I believe that he was filled with the Spirit. I think it's clearly evident that he was in touch with God. You don't just get to this position for no reason, although I I think some do, uh, but uh, I believe he was filled with the Spirit. I believe that he was close with the Lord. One doesn't just transition like he did just like that. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 kind of gives us a few hints here. Uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 says this, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Okay? So we see here that, now whether this was talking about the apostles, possibly those that were in attendance there, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they had boldness to preach God's word. Philip did just that. I mean, he, he was a, a deacon serving the Lord, doing the best that he, was, uh, that he could in this calling that God had gave him to serve. And then God, through these specific steps, I believe he was filled with the Spirit and close to God. He now gives him the boldness to do what maybe he couldn't do before. He gives him the strength, the boldness to preach God's word. And then if you look in our text, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, and it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go to Gaza, the desert there. Look at verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip. You see, he's sensitive to what God's telling him. You see, the angel of the Lord's guiding him here. The Spirit's telling him to do this. Uh, we can see in other occasions in the Bible where people are filled with the Spirit and they're, they're doing things that normally they could not do. Uh, like, uh, for instance, be giving boldness in their preaching. It's just obvious that this man is filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 and verse 18 says this, 
Again, this is the book of Ephesians. It's spoken to those that are in the church of Ephesus, to believers, you and I. And it's a calling that God has for us. And be not drunk with wine wherein is access, but be filled with the Spirit. It's every believer's calling to be filled with the Spirit. Now, am I saying, okay, if you're going to be, it's like, I'm afraid to be filled with the Spirit because I see that Philip became an evangelist. I don't want to do that. Well, God may call you to be an evangelist. Praise the Lord for that. But that's not really the point. We don't need to worry about stuff like that. We just need to worry about those specific things he gives us. He calls us to be a servant, and he calls us to be filled with the Spirit. There's no questions asked. There's no negotiating here. These are things that God wants us to do. It's his calling that he placed upon our lives. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to die to yourself. And this is a daily thing, to die to yourself daily and then to surrender your life to God. That's what it means. You are emptying of yourself And you're allowing God, the Holy Spirit, which if you are saved here this morning, lives within you, the Spirit of God, and being filled or controlled by him. The unique opportunity that God gave Philip was due in part because he had his focus on God. He was empty of himself and filled with the Lord. Look at verse 27, Acts chapter 8 and verse 27. I understand we're jumping around here. Acts chapter 8 and verse 27. And this kind of describes the man that Philip has the opportunity to witness here. It says, and he, he, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure... And I come to Jerusalem for to worship. I mean, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to impact somebody that was of great authority. Uh, this man had power. This man had influence, as we can see in his title there. And what a great opportunity that Philip had. If he had missed it because he was filled with himself rather than with the spirit what an opportunity would have been missed. So I'm saying here, God calls us to serve. God calls us to be filled with the Spirit. And again, it's not for our own enjoyment, honestly. We're doing this because God calls us to do so. God wants to use us here this morning. And what opportunities are missed, even of individuals that are sitting here in our church, because we aren't willing to simply follow the calling that he has placed upon our life of being filled with the Spirit. Can I just encourage you here this morning to empty of yourself, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Can can I encourage you to do that? Be filled with the Spirit. Allow him to work in and through your life, to allow him to guide you and direct you where he would have you to go. And that leads to number three, you are called to obey God. You are called to obey God. With the command that may be given, to you, we must obey. Obviously, we, we, we are given commands, and we want to fulfill those commands. We want to obey those commands. Again, what great opportunity would have been missed if Philip got this calling from the angel of the Lord, from the spirit of the Lord, and uh, just said, no, I don't want to do that. But he didn't do that. 
Verse 27, once again, it says that he uh, arose and went. He went. Look at verse 29. Verse 29 says this, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither. He ran thither. That right there is obedience. There's the command. He's going. Now, Philip was content. He was busy in the ministry that he had in Samaria, a great opportunity also of what he was doing there. The description in verse 26 is kind of limited, isn't it? I mean, look at what it says. It says, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south. Which way is that? This way. Go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Okay. Go to the south. Go to Jerusalem. Go to Gaza. It's desert. Okay. All right. There's not too much details given there, but he went. He obeyed. Are you sure, God? Are you sure you want me to do that? Are you sure? You know, the desert doesn't have anybody there, right? And you know it's hot there in the desert. Gaza, don't you know? Seriously? What's going on there? But there was no ifs, buts, or whys from Philip. He obeyed without question. And that's what God expects us to do as well. Our calling from God is to simply obey what he gives for us. And as we take those first steps of obedience... God begins to shine some light. Yeah, at first, 26 is like, okay, where are you sending me, Lord? But it's taking that first step of obedience, and then, ah, I see. You see something, and then the Lord reveals the next step. Uh, go and meet up with this man here in the desert. You know, he sees that there's a eunuch, an important man, one who's already searching the scriptures. He runs to meet him. When he comes to obedience to God, we must not hesitate. He runs to meet this individual. And the pieces of the puzzle begin to fall into place. We can see that God's at work already. What must we do? Trust him. I didn't plan this with Brother Dave, but, you know, I, the, verse, the song that I thought of was trust and obey. Those two words go hand in hand. Uh, where there is no trust, there's probably going to be no obedience to God, right? It's like, uh, you know, you want me to go south to a desert, Gaza, really? But, but he went because he obviously trusted God, and therefore he obeyed God. And with that trust, it's evident, too, that he was filled with the Spirit. He was close to the Lord. Where there is no trust, there's going to be minimal obedience, Noah is an excellent example of of trust and obey, trust and obedience. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 says this, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark. There hasn't been much rain, God. You know that, right? Uh, I've never seen a flood before, especially a flood of the capacity that you're telling me. And, uh, and you want me to build a giant boat. All right. You know, not too much uh, description there. Just this is, what I'm, this is what's going to happen. And, uh, yeah. But with all of that, I mean, what would you do in Noah's position? Kind of wonder. Ask the questions. 
but immediate obedience is necessary. And with that, you need to trust in the Lord. It's, it's uh, pretty simple, but you have to get to know your father. In life, life throws at us many curveballs, does it not? And, uh, and we, we end up uh, questioning quite often, I believe, don't we not? And uh, what is God doing? How's God working? And, and so on. He wants me to do this, but it just doesn't make sense to me. But we must obey. It's God's calling. But I can encourage you to trust the Lord. Trust and obey. Do you fear God as you ought? Fearing God is having that respect for who he truly is. And you, and you, with that, you will trust him for all things. As it says in Hebrews eleven seven. Noah was told to do something that didn't really make sense, but he had a fear. He was moved with fear, and he prepared that ark. Do you trust God with your whole heart this morning? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And we're called to do so. We're called to obey the Lord. And the fourth and final thing here this morning, number four, you are called to share the gospel. You are called to share the gospel. Philip gets close to that chariot, and uh, he sees the eunuch there, hears him uh, as he's reading from the book of Isaiah. God was already at work. He had nothing to worry about. Philip simply just obeyed. What the Lord had said, God was working in and through that. That's how he does in our life as well. We don't understand, but God is working. We can trust in him. He's already working in this man's heart. And he was reading in Isaiah 53, what a coincidence, uh, the exact place uh, that uh, is told of, of the gospel message. This chapter describes Christ's birth, it describes his ministry, and also describes his death and resurrection. Can't get better than that, right? What more could he ask for? Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch responds, how can I unless somebody shows me how or what I'm reading? And then when we jump down to verse 35, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 35, Philip opens his mouth and began at the same scripture, and, and it says there at the end, and preached unto him Jesus. Preached unto him the gospel, the good news. The calling on every believer's life is to give out the gospel. It's called the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I like how some people call it the simple plan of salvation. You know, there's nothing simple about what Christ did on the cross for us. We wouldn't, we wouldn't belittle that by any means. He gave his all for us. But the message is simple. He did all the work. All we must do is recognize our need and in simple faith and trust in him, call out. We pull all sorts of excuses out of the hat sometimes for, I don't have the time. Or, or uh, um, maybe a popular one be, I'm not that good at speaking, or whatever. Uh, we pull, pull all sorts of, of, of excuses out. Believer doesn't have to be educated with a college degree, doesn't have to be a pastor in order to share the gospel. 
All you must do is be a believer. That's the calling upon our life. Every one of us, if you are saved today, our calling is to share the good news, to, to, um, to basically preach Christ, as, as that verse says. Look at the disciples, for instance, unlearned, ignorant men, simple-minded fishermen, nothing special, but God used them to change the world. Flip it upside down for Christ. All you need is a willing heart and a compassion for souls and a desire to make a difference in this world. That's God's calling for us. And one final thought here, and uh, I think it's a, a good thought that kind of goes along with this point, but look at the last verse there of chapter 8. Philippi, or sorry, Acts chapter 8 and verse 40. It says, But Philip was found at uh, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So after Philip was done dealing with the eunuch, he did what Christ had, uh, God had um, told him to do. Uh, we, we see here that he ended up, uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord took him up and placed him in a different position. He was caught up, basically. And uh, notice that uh, where he was placed, I'm not sure exactly where that was, but uh, in this uh, some uh, town or whatever, and he was placed there. And he's obviously is making his way back somewhere else to Caesarea. But I love where it says, and passing through, he preached in all the cities. Sometimes when it comes to witnessing to the lost, God may lay someone specific on our heart. And there's probably some on our heart right now that God is encouraging us to lead to the Lord. Like Philip, obviously, God lays specifically that eunuch on his heart. But if not specific, but if we do not have, sorry, a specific person on our mind, do we just, I'm going to turn off my gospel light? No. I love how it says that just passing through, he's, he's being an example. He, he's, he's sharing the gospel. Everywhere he goes, he's looking for opportunities. That's what Philip was doing here. He, he sees a need. Obviously, there's a need here. There's a need in our, in our town. There's a need in, in Michigan, in our nation. There's a need everywhere we go. So uh, uh, what we have to do is open up our eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already, the harvest. There's a need all around us. So in passing through, we can be fulfilling God's calling upon our life and sharing the gospel through our example and through other means, preaching it to whoever needs to hear. You don't have to look very far for opportunities. But chances are, if you are seeking opportunities, God will give them to you. But can I just encourage you to fulfill your calling of preaching God's word. Share the message wherever you may be. Live out the example of Christ in your life and work wherever you may be. Uh, and uh, that's sharing God's good news. You're, being, you're doing exactly what God has called you to do. In conclusion, uh, sometimes my son, as we're uh, laying down, getting ready for bed, trying to get him to go to bed, right? You know, <laughs> those with kids know the drill. Uh, he'll start asking some questions, you know, just like, 
You know, I, I like that time. He starts asking questions, and you know, before I start kind of getting tired myself, and I'm like, all right. You know, but he'll start asking questions. One of the most popular questions that he asks is this. Hey, Dad, what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> well, Daddy goes to work tomorrow. And then he'll say, what are we doing in two days? <laughs> well, Daddy's going to work again. Then he gets groceries. After that, what are we doing in three days? Well, we go to church that day, you know, four days. Daddy has a time off. You know, by the time he gets to about five or six days, I'm like, son, go to bed. And there, was like, there was like one time he, he said, Dad, what are we doing in 100 million days? And I'm like, we won't be here, <laughs> okay? And uh, we just won't be here. But, you know, the point of that little thought here, the little illustration was this is, Obviously, he's a kid, right? And he's, he's looking forward to the next day. And, uh, but we, we are, our human minds are always thinking, okay, what do I got to do tomorrow? What do I got to do next week? What am I doing in a month? I got to plan this vacation. I got to do this and all that. And uh, we start planning in the future for a lot of things. But I want you to never forget the calling that God has for you today. God has a calling for each and every one of us today. And we don't have to, we don't have to worry. We don't have to suppose, uh, you know, where's God going to lead me down the road? What's God's will for my life down the road? We don't, we don't have to worry about that. You know, God opens and God closes doors. That's part of, if you're filled with the Spirit, the Lord's going to direct and guide you every step of the way. But we all have a calling and a focus that we need to have today. His calling for us today. And I encourage you, I just gave four here, very important. Be a servant, be filled with the Spirit, be obedient, be a witness for Christ. But God's Word has so many other responsibilities and callings that we have as believers to do today. And I encourage you to not worry about what may God may have for you tomorrow or the next day or the next day or 100 million years from now. Don't worry about those things, but worry about what God has for you today. Focus on him. Focus on the calling that he has. Follow Philip's example that he gives us here, and God will guide you and direct you every step of the way. Let's pray.